Charlie Rose is made possible by USA Networks as part of our continuing commitment to innovative television. Through USA Network and the Sci-Fi Channel, we provide original entertainment to America and the world. Anywhere, anytime, any book. BarnesandNoble.com, where the world shops for books. Cisco Systems, the company that brought the Internet to business, is pleased to help bring The Charlie Rose Show to PBS. Cisco Systems, empowering the Internet generation. Charlie Rose is also made possible by these funders. And by Bloomberg, a provider of multimedia news and information services worldwide. From our studios in New York City, this is Charlie Rose. For the last decade or so, comedian Gary Shandling has been responsible for some of the most innovative comedy on television. He's built a career parroting himself and his experiences as a 1970s sitcom writer, a late-night talk show host, and an angst-ridden single white male. His most recent television series, Larry Sanders Show, is one of HBO's most successful programs. It ended this May after six years of critical acclaim. Since the early 1990s, he's also made films. His latest work can be seen next month in the film Hurley Burley, based on the David Ray play. Meanwhile, his alter ego has written his memoir, Confessions of a Late Night Talk Show Host, the autobiography of Larry Sanders. Having said that, I add this postscript. When he came to this program, he just walked onto the set and began to talk, and we began to roll the cameras, and what you see is the conversation that took place between Gary Shandling and myself. It is instructive, it is interesting, and I hope you enjoy it. Gary Shandling for the hour, and here is where it began. Are you starting? Yeah, any, any time. I will start now. Do I have to sit down? It, no, you, you, you can start. I don't think the cameras can pick us up. It, we'll, we'll, yeah, they can't really pick us up. They pick up from here down. There That's all I need. Okay. <laughs> I don't have a how problem about, with that. Rather than sit down, how about please have a seat? I'm not ready. I don't, we'll talk about that. But we're going to tape what we talk about. I not go, go, ready. go. Just start. Okay, just start, okay? Chris, do what you want. roll tape. You do what you want, Charlie. No, roll tape. You're a master. Well, and we're fine. rolling, so I mean, just for the There'd benefit be... of the audience at home, this is all. No, we're, I'm not ready to start, though. No, we're starting. I'm totally not ready to start. I know, but we'll just talk about that. But this is going to go out to America, you and I talking On about On what talking. day do you suppose? I think, I think it'll be Monday. Is that true? Yes. Ah. Is that good or bad? Well, why don't we... It's both. That's the fantastic part of that. It's both good and bad. That's what my life is like. Okay. Monday? M Monday, yeah. Monday's the beginning. Now, why is it good and why is it bad? It's good because uh, that means that if this interview goes badly and it's being taped, yeah. then I can make sure I'm not near a television to see how badly it goes. <laughs> I have plenty of time to run and plan a trip somewhere. And if it's really bad, I can find another show. And... Uh, no, you can. You're 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 in fantastic shape. You're going to be on the new 60 Minutes too, and you've yeah. got, you know, all hell's breaking loose in the country. You've got guests booked up to here. That's right. And, and we're going to the Iraqis fine. are coming in later. Hamdu. This is why Jesse, the the body Ventura, right. should be president, so he can just 
<laughs> look at the TV camera. We need a president who can do this and just go, Saddam, I'm coming to get you Friday. <laughs> Where's my camera? Listen up, this Saddam. This is too dark just in here. Just pick one. Just pick one. They'll, they'll find you. Let's do it. I'm going to put my earpiece in, in so they can give me timing cues, too, as well. But, I mean, I'm actually very happy you're here. You I mean, seem I'm a like, huge fan of yours. Thank you. And, I, and I'm a huge fan of... Uh, you know, there's a line in my book about you. I'm sure you didn't read it because you've been, you know, busy. But yeah. there is a line in my book about you. What does it say? Well, it talks about... Uh, Larry talks about how he prepares to do a talk show. And, in fact, to get to the energy that's required of a network high-energy high talk show, he doesn't talk to anyone all day or listen to anyone all day and really revs himself up and pushes and pushes and pushes so his heart rate's like, you know, 140. Yeah. Because otherwise... He says, my natural energy is that of Charlie Rose, <laughs> which is a, an odd, co it's actually a compliment to you, meaning that's sort of a natural organic energy as opposed to, you know, this kind of network thing where, where people really have to keep the audience. Well. My idea is that I want it to be the opposite of a performance. Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I, my guess is mm -hmm. that if I was a comedian or I was an actor mm -hmm. and I was going on David, Jay, of these other programs, mm -hmm. that I would try to have something to say. I would have a performance. I would mm -hmm. have it set, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so that I would go on there and I would give them five minutes of, of the best of. Mm -hmm. Yokes, jokes, mm -hmm. a sense of what I wanted to communicate. I'd have a purpose. I want you to come on here and just relax, as you are now, and just have a conversation and let me guide it wherever it goes in terms of the interaction between the two of us. I think that's what you believe you want until you see what that would be like. <laughs> and then you will immediately shift to saying, let's go back to the five minutes of performance, the yeah. best five minutes. That's probably, well, I'm not sure because I think I want to be different. I mean, I think there's room for at least one of me, you know, uh, in the world yeah, of you're right. talk shows. There's one. No, it's, it's absolutely different. You're absolutely right. And in fact, what happens on most talk shows, and they're called talk shows generically for some reason, but in fact, what producers would tell you of these of these late night shows is that they're entertainment shows yeah. and uh... and in fact when you say hey let's have a certain politician on or something uh... they would say that's not what we do we're an entertainment program right so of course uh... nevertheless you must still feel the uh, necessary need to entertain otherwise it becomes well, uh, indulgent then if we someone didn't. said after being on this program that i've never <laughs> What is that? This is a signal to the people at home to <laughs> change the channel. <laughs> Just disregard it. This is something that, seriously, 700,000 people know about. They know. Yeah. It's Turns a code. Uh, it is a code. And, and a society, a secret society that knows. I, I can't do that. Uh, you told me all you it. can. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you when we're off the air, really. It's a, it's a whole subculture that the government doesn't know about. Well, what, <laughs> it's like the purple dot. I don't know you know about the purple is. dot? No, I don't. That's another. Ask Jim Lehrer. You know Jim Lehrer? Sure. Yeah. He, what do I look like? <laughs> <laughs> you do look I look like an idiot? <laughs> well, no, not exactly. Not exactly. Well, what's similar? <laughs> uh, the, what I would like for people to say after you come here, I may have lost this opportunity. Um, I don't think so is to say, I've never seen him that way, and I found him interesting and different, and that was a side. Yeah. But that's a, that's a pressure in its own right, you know? So now I feel pressured to be interesting. So what's the difference between feeling pressured to be interesting and 
Team the pressure to entertain. Fine. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I have I, no but pressure I, on you. No expectation. I give you, yeah. uh, you know, nothing. Meditation. Do you still do that? Yes, I do. I meditate. Uh, <laughs> see, now you're laughing. <laughs> I am, because, I, you know, I don't know. That's what people say. Now, we can... I, I'm, I'm an incredibly serious man. I'm not sure about the man part. There, there's a joke. I'm yes. incredibly serious, and people say I can't tell when he's joking and when he's not. Yeah. Whereas I can. So I'll help. I'll help you. But I do. I meditate. Well, maybe you could give me a little one of those signals too. That I would be part of some society, so that, that you when you're joking, I would know. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Now I'm being serious. All right. Meditation. My hands down. The meditation is. Let me just say what I think I know, and then. Okay. Take me from where I think I know okay. something. That it began after that almost amazing car accident right. that you were involved in. Right. I was hit by a car in 1977 yeah. in uh, Los Angeles, right in that area in Beverly Hills where all those six roads come together, and it's sort of all done on the honor system where there's the stop signs. Yeah. About a block down from that, I hit a, I hit a car and got out to helped the lady and, the, and I bent down and another car came and smashed me and I was in between and uh, you know it was it was ugly but uh, I really you know uh, could have died and it was a very serious uh, accident and um, I was writing on uh, a script for Welcome Back Cotter at the time and I was laying in the hospital and I thought oh my is this what I want to do the rest of my life is which is write uh, television and I was really I was really having an identity crisis and uh, I started at that time to really search to see what my life was and who I was and uh, stumbled upon uh, some uh, Zen books I started therapy and uh, started to go out and, and meditate and did it quite uh, a lot not with any group but by myself and uh, you know I have a very strong sort of philosophical Ben, that, that guides me as, as, as best that I can follow. And so where did it lead you? Well, I mean, it leads me to, to in, my, in my career, it leads me to making choices that will allow me to uh, grow and uh, experiences that challenge me and will hopefully in some way make me, you know, a better person, a better artist, so forth. So that's how I make choices, and, and other than tonight. I don't know why I'm here tonight. <laughs> now, see, I was rather flattered because it, it was said to me that, that you really wanted to come do this program. Yes, I did. You know, and that flattered me, and I was pleased by that. And yes. so, therefore, you know, I paid a special attention knowing that, not really? knowing that you would be the least bit uncomfortable un about it, but thinking that you would look forward to it because it would be as I was looking forward Thank to it. Thank you. Well, and, and I am. I'm having a good time. The only thing that I worry about is that I think that you, something you said suggesting that, you know, if you, if you are, if you're driven to entertain, to be funny, uh, then to do otherwise is not as high a skill or a talent, mm -hmm. whatever it is I do mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. whatever, you know, that somehow, that if you don't treat that moment as an opportunity to entertain rather than to do something else, then it's, it doesn't require as much talent. No, no, I, 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 I think talent is purely becoming one with who you are and being honest in that moment. Yeah. And it may be in that moment not entertaining 
and honest. So that's what I struggle for, is honesty. Honesty in the moment. Uh, I don't feel like I'm struggling to uh, entertain uh, other than as a uh, sort of uh, insecure defense mechanism. But in, in the other half of that uh, is, in fact, struggling to be uh, honest and uh, uh, somewhat connected with, with some instinct that tells me uh, uh, how to be. So uh, uh, that's talent. Uh, and so if you're good at what you do, which you are fantastic at, it's incredibly talented. Some people dance, some people sing, some people write, some people are good with money, some people... But if it's true for them, then that's what talent is, I think. You know, and people try and, you know, sometimes try to figure out who's talented and who isn't and what they do. It's like an athlete. You either have it or you don't, and someone's found it, and they know themselves, and, you know, now may I go? No. Your highest talent is writing. Yeah? Uh, I'm probably most secure with my writing ability. I've been doing it uh, the longest. I've been doing it for a long time, and I think I've gotten better, and I think I'm still getting better, still learning. Mm. What interests me is what you said earlier. You, in a sense, uh, you are never satisfied, correct? Never with the product. You're you know, a perfectionist. I, I'll tell you something. The, the, this perfectionist thing, uh, which, which, which uh, some people get labeled with, uh, so I'll only speak to my, my, to my own... Uh, occasionally getting labeled as a perfectionist. The last episode, of, it's, it's, it's not all true. The last episode of my show, I couldn't be prouder of. And I, and I watched that, and we worked on it, and we, you know, and uh, spent a lot, I spent a lot of time editing and writing, and uh, uh, Peter Tolan and I wrote that, and we got all the great guests. And I looked at that, and I said, that is exactly what the last show should be. And I was really pleased. Uh, but I do have a sense, uh, and I think fairly accurately, I'm never 100%, that I can sense when something is missing that really could make something better. Uh, um, but otherwise, uh, it's hard for me to be satisfied, is how I would put it, but not never satisfied. Yeah, and you share that with our mutual friend, Warren Beatty. Warren is Same still quality. editing Bullworth as we speak. <laughs> I didn't know. He's yeah. thinking about Bullworth as we speak, yeah. I guarantee you. He, he he's is. thinking about the Academy and he's thinking about other things. Yeah. You know, he's thinking about what, whether he should re release it, probably. Yeah. And well, that's, but see, I like that about him. I mean, that's one of the things I most like about him in the, is this sense of, I mean, when you read about him and, and the efforts he went to in terms of meeting all those rap stars and trying to get a hold on that, that for me, that's. Well, I mean, I think he really cares about what he's yeah. doing in, in a nutshell, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, occasionally I think perfectionism comes from fear, just fear of being rejected. I mean, that's where the sort of inappropriate perfectionism would, would, would come from. And so I, I always try and learn about that. I always, when I think something can be better, I actually stop and think, am I being too tough? I, I, I'm pretty tough on myself and pretty self-examining and probably sometimes to a fault. And uh, I would say I'm struggling with not being quite so that way. And uh, uh, if I thought about myself sitting here with you, in other words, and really considering 
I could get very self-conscious. When you did thought about prepared yeah. for the last episode, yes. tell me how you approached it. Tell me what was important, how, what you wanted to take well, leave of, because there was some looking at Jack Parr's final episode when he walked up. Yeah. There was some observation yeah. of how Johnny and Bette yeah. Midler, and, and you, had lots of <clears throat> you had lots of players to work with, from Jim Carrey and other Sean Well, Penn. I... I, I I took that last episode very seriously, and Peter Tolan and myself uh, sat down uh, in the summer, which would have been roughly six months before we actually filmed this episode, and started talking about what the beats and the ideas should, of the last episode should include, what beats and so forth, what ideas, and in fact, uh, we talked about the beats all the way through uh, the, towards the middle of the season, which means it was three or four months of talking, and I knew that uh, I wanted to start with Larry watching uh, Johnny Carson's farewell or Jack Parr's farewell, that that would be on his mind. How do I want to end my talk show? Because that's the way Larry thinks. And I knew that we should start that way. And then all the elements that would go into and all the emotions of a final show and we really spent a lot of time talking about uh, the beats of the story and the guests that we got um, fell into place in in many different ways I was doing Hurley Burley and at the end of filming uh, one of the scenes I worked up the courage to say to Sean would you come on the last episode of the show and I felt like a fool because I ne really never ask anyone because I'm I don't want to put them in that position, and I don't want to be re rejected. So I, I never do it. But he said, sure, and so that fell into place, and Jim Carrey came on. And uh, Peter and I uh, did a beat sheet of the, of the script, and he wrote a first draft. We sat down with it together. We got along great. We had great, a great time writing it. We really write uh, well together, and uh, one of the great joys of doing the show was sitting down and writing uh, with him, we really laugh, and it just uh, started to really unfold. Doesn't feel as specific as you like, but uh, it would be very detailed to go into the beats of that hour-long story. And I knew that it should end on a really serious, emotional uh, note because that would be real. And so that's what I wanted it to be: was honest. Roll tape. Here is an excerpt from the final episode with Sean Penn. Well, I just finished a movie called uh, Hurley Burley. Ah, that was a uh, that was a play, wasn't it? Right, David Rabe. David Rabe. Right. Yes. And, you know, a great cast. So. Who's in the cast? Uh, Kevin Spacey, Anna Paquin, my wife Robin, Gary Shamlin. Wow. Chaz Palminteri. What a fantastic cast, yeah, huh? Good, good group. Fantastic yeah, cast. Good, yeah, it's, uh, the, the spectrum of acting ability. <laughs> <laughs> Who's on the low end of the uh, ability there? Oh, the low, I'm not going to go, you know, there. <laughs> we made a great movie. Well, good luck with it. Why don't we take a break and we'll come right back. No flipping. <laughs> it was shambling. This guy, unbelievable. The most insecure man I've ever met in my life has no focus at all. Before our director, Tony Drazen, would even say, cut it, look at me, say, how was I? Really? Relentless. Wow. Yeah. 
Now, yes. uh, I'm responsible for that little piece of writing. I don't have any problem being self-deprecating, as, as you may well know. And in fact, uh, <clears throat> when I was filming Hurley Burley, which is a fantastic uh, movie, and his performance in it is mind-blowing to me. I, 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 to be in the room with him and Chaz Palminteri and Kevin Spacey and watch these guys act and be in there with them was incredibly intimidating and 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 I was insecure and so I knew that was the route to take and also in the six years of the show we never broke the rule that uh, someone would mention Gary Shandling as a, you know and I knew that since it was the last episode it was the right time and so um, uh, we laughed at that piece we I mean we liked it it's, it's liked honest it. for us you take acting seriously. Yeah, I take acting really seriously. It's a real challenge. I really learn a lot about myself uh, in acting, and uh, it takes enormous courage to be a great actor, and uh, I, I lack that sometimes, and so I, uh, uh, I'm challenged by it. I mean, you don't just want to play yourself, and you don't, don't just want to sort of be an extension of a stand-up role. You really want to go out there. Well, you know, I don't think I have an incredibly wide range. I'm not one of those people who sort of can, you know, uh, take on the, get inside the skin of a character. But uh, emotionally, uh, I, I try to and understand the emotionality of the character. Uh, and... Uh, that means I have to get more in touch with my real emotions, and therein lies the, the challenge, to really be able to feel that and show it, and uh, it it that's hard for me, and uh, it that's works. That's hard for you. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. So it it, it in a way it, it, it works for me because it gives me that uh, odd um, sense of struggle that one sees with me. But it would seem to me, and I think I've read that you've said before, that stand-up was, in a sense, great, almost therapy, because it's an exploration of self. Yeah, I mean, I, I, stand-up, good stand-up is, <clears throat> and uh, I'm still learning uh, that. I, I think I'm still better uh, at stand-up now than I was five years ago. I, I occasionally go into a club in L.A., and I, 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 uh, I have a great time. I just walk on and do five or ten minutes and you know when the booze settle down why I you know but do you do material that you've been thinking about you've been working on you've been shaping or is this you go in there and just stand up uh, both both I mean I, I get ideas uh, and uh, go and explore them and then <clears throat> I take quite a lot of time on stage at a club and see what comes into uh, my mind and uh, and uh, it's interesting I like it. I mean, I don't do it often now because I'm so busy. I, I, you know, once every couple months. Why are you looking at me like that? Well, I'm listening to what you say. That's why it's okay. It, oh, it makes me uncomfortable. I'd rather you not listen. <laughs> or, or I bet not look at you. You know, talk to you like. I that. don't mind you looking at me. Just don't listen. <laughs> it's the listening part that throws, <laughs> that throws me. That you. Yeah, I'm yeah. not used to that. You're not look to listening. Not when I go on a talk show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well said. Uh -huh. Now you, someone, uh, how can I do this without revealing who yeah. it is? I can't. Darn. Is that about? Well, go ahead, say it. 
I don't think I can. Let me see if I can edit this. All right. And, is I this can. an indictment of me or? Oh no! Oh, no, it's no, not no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, Let me tell you, one of the things that, um, that you have said, I, I, the certain things you've said that I found interesting, and, and basically you said that, that the only thing stranger than being on television every night is wanting to be on television every night. <laughs> and yeah. that's what we explore with Larry. What kind of guy wants to be on TV every night, and how does that affect his life? Because you end up with no life. I mean, you're so exposed that it imposes totally on your life and becomes your life. How does it feel? Does, do you feel that for yourself? You're on every night. This is your life. Aren't you Charlie Rose? Do you feel that you're not the, uh, quote, Charlie Rose? Do you ever detach during your... I would certainly hope so, yeah. Yeah, well, you seem like you might. Yeah, you I would might. certainly hope so. I'm getting angry at you now. <laughs> I know you are. Why? Because you, you won't talk about the book. What kind of... <laughs> What kind of television program is this that you can't plug your product? You can plug it. We just will make the decision as to what we want to talk about. It's oh, not your see. decision. Well, this is the last time I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> or the first time. No, this is both, maybe. But I, you yeah. know, we, we, I would hope you'd come back. This is the last because... five times I'm here. Or am I confusing it's not as long as I see, it seems? It's not very long, actually. Okay, so ask uh, me. Go ahead. Then I've got here's to, honestly, what's interesting I've got to, about... yes, sir. You want to go? No. Okay. Here's what's interesting. Just about the opposite. You. I hope so. Here's what's interesting about you to me. I mean, you get. You you did the Gary Shandling. It's the Gary Shandling show. It was going quite well. It went from Showtime <clears throat> to Fox. Yes. Yes. And you're off so. onto another venture. I mean, you have said, and at very interesting times in your life, when people wanted you to go in a certain direction, you've said. No. Yes, that's true. You know, it, there are lots of people. Yeah. I read Tom Shales. Tom loves you. Yeah, Tom's I mean, fan. He is a huge fan, yeah. you know. And, and I can't tell you how sad he was to see the Larry Sanders show go off the air. Yeah. But you do these, it's almost like you have this internal clock yeah. that tells you it's time to get off the stage. Not even necessary. <laughs> I can take a hint, my friend. <laughs> oh, please come back. Um, so that you then go. I do. You know, and it, is it because you want to leave them wanting more? I oh. want to leave them not even knowing what hit them. That's my theory. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing's even too much. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have. I don't know if I make the right decisions. Quite frankly, I don't know. Uh, all I know is I get uh, bored and unhappy, and feel like I need a change and uh, need to be inspired by something new, and um, I get frustrated and uh, make a decision. But is it because? It is so very hard to do, and you're just, I mean, when you're writing it, and you're starring in it, and you're producing it, it is so hard that you just exhaust yourself, and you can only do so much, uh, or B, is it because it just gets boring because it's repetitious for you? Well, I mean, I think it's a little of both. It, it, with this television show, The Larry Sanders Show, it's a massive job to get it done each week. I mean, there's video segments and film 
segment, sometimes we have eight cameras going at a time, uh, difficult scripts to write because they're about real human behavior, and if they're false, the scripts are false, the characters are not acting according to who they really are, it's false. You can't fool anyone, uh, meaning, meaning my instinct, and I can feel when it's not real, so it, it's a job. And then to act in it is a job, and I edit and participate on all levels, and it's a job, and yes, it becomes, you have no life. And I mean, uh, I, I know when Jerry Seinfeld was ending, we were on the same lot, and we would have this talk, because he participates in his show, and I don't know how someone does 22 episodes a year, I admire them greatly we, we did, did we 13? did we did we did 13 i think we yeah we do 13 and at the beginning of the of the run we did 17 and then 15 and then ultimately uh 13 uh but it's it's all consuming and so there's that uh and you know your life goes by and you feel like is this what i want to do and if it and if i felt like this is really me and what I do right now, I'd, I'd stay in there. I'd stay in there. I think things can get better uh, with experience. The show could get better, uh, but it just felt like it was time to, to, to move on. Even though you thought it could get better and even though it was still a challenge for you? <clears throat> the degree that it would get better from that last episode was minute. Yeah, yeah it sure was. And, I mean, and therein, that was therein lies what I mean about the perfectionist label. I mean. I think the show reached its potential in the last episode. Sure, we could deal with other subjects and and so forth, but, you know, I mean, that's it. And I, I will maybe put it this way. I do have a problem when I see something, a project or a moment, when I go, that's it. I don't know. When I was writing Sanford and Son, and I was 25 years old, and I got an assignment to write the first one as a freelance writer, and I was thrilled. I was from Tucson, Arizona. I moved to L.A. I got this assignment. Uh, I was so lucky, and I was thrilled, and I wrote a script for Sanford and Son, and, uh, and they liked it. And they said, we want you to write another one. And I wrote another one, and I was thrilled. And they said, we want you to write another one. And I, I walked into the story editor at the time, and I said, can you tell, explain something to me? Where do you get the motivation to write three, let alone 20? War, whatever it was at the time. Because you had no motivation to write the third one? I, 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 w I was losing it because I, I had sort of done it. I, wasn't, I w didn't certainly do it extraordinarily well, and I had a lot to learn. But I sort of did that, and I was confused. I mean, it's just part of my makeup. I mean, once I sort of do it, I, I get a little confused because why else... Why do you keep going unless unless you really uh, love it? I mean, um, and uh, I remember him looking at me and saying, "Oh, you're burned out at 25 already." And I was totally confused when we and when what it really was is I was bored and wanting to express myself in other other ways. What happened after uh, the, that show? <clears throat> you know, uh, I, I that's when I started to work at the comedy store, and I would go on amateur night and stuff, and I was horrible. Uh, I had no experience as a, as a performer at all. I'd never been on stage in my life, never been around anything that resembled a stage. Uh, although my parents had a raised area in the living room that confused me. 
But uh, uh, I was so bad at it, but so attracted to it that I thought, oh my goodness, this is how I'm going to really learn a lot about myself because I'm scared to death. I've never done anything more frightening in my life than get up on stage at the comedy store and afterwards at other places and have to face an audience and really bomb. And I mean, I used to drive home at midnight into the valley and not be able to get out of the car. I'd be in the driveway and I'd have to sit there for Clutching five minutes. Clutching a wheel. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd pull the car into the driveway at one in the morning and I'd sit there. I mean, it, it's, it, you know, going, man, that was painful. When did you know you could do it? I, I, I... There was one moment when I was working in Las Vegas that really stands out to me, and uh, I was an opening act for I don't remember who, actually. It might have been Donna Summer. I was like in the early 80s, an opening act comedian. And I don't remember uh, how the thought struck me, but I realized, and this is so embarrassing because it's so basic, that what a good comedian does is he takes the audience somewhere. You don't sort of sit back and wait for the audience to accept you. And there was one decision I made once to go out on stage with all the courage I had and said, I'm going to take the audience somewhere. And I remember that being a real breakthrough. I still had tons to learn, and I still do. Uh, but that was a breakthrough sort of moment for kind me. Kind of t taking the moment, wherever it was, and going with it. And, and, take and taking the audience instead of waiting to see, oh, did they like that one, didn't they like that one, and just say, you know, you see the great comedians do it. I mean, you know, it's what Pryor did so well, just walk on and start talking about his life, and, you know, you're not self-conscious of the audience approving or disapproving. You're just going and doing what's really right for you to do. Has it been anybody better than Pryor? For what uh, that particular kind of comedy is, which is sort of personal... But also conversational. I, I can't. I can't think of anyone. Although, don't underestimate Bill Cosby. I. No. I used to go and see him, sit on that stool uh, on stage and really be incredibly impressive. Uh, but for that particular thing, not for me. I mean, I would have to be. I'd have to say prior. Yeah, I remember uh, Cosby told me a story once about how he went down to the village once and saw Jonathan Flinders fail. <clears throat> not do well, mm -hmm. and it was a great night for him that, because yeah, he realized true. he could take the chance. Yeah, and if he failed, he could come back because yeah. the great sorry winners fail. Yeah, no, you have to be uh, brave enough to fail. The you you missed the last three episodes. You basically don't you have something else to do tonight? How long have we been sitting here talking? It this can't be. This has forty-five to minutes. Oh my! If this is un this is. Is, is someone, what? you should have, you should have, I should have help, shouldn't I? I should have help, shouldn't I? I should give this up. I should give this to somebody who could do it right. No, you do it fantastically. This wasn't about you. This yeah. was about uh, When you, you walked off and left the show and said, I'm going to Tahiti or where the hell you went, mm -hmm. and basically said, write me out of the last three episodes, well, that None of that's accurate. That's not true? No. Well, okay, then that's part of the lore of... Yes, you. That's a little spin, spin. Who? Spin, that was a manager spin. spin that used to sort of. Well, what happened is, is make is, you seem crazy. What happened is, is that uh, the next to last season of the show. Uh, often when we do a show, often when we do a show, if I don't have to be in a, a scene, or if I don't, if Larry's character doesn't need to be in the whole show, and often I trim them down. Uh, 
uh, I'll Write Myself Out. And uh, I think we did the last show, I'm trying to think of what month it was and I forget. I did a show and um, it was a roast episode. It was hilarious and Larry didn't need to be in the last three scenes. And I wrote Larry out and uh, finished the monologues and all of that stuff and went uh, to, I go to Hawaii quite often, maybe four times a year. So, Love it. so how did the idea develop that this was somehow an act of, of you were fed up, you were tired, you just wanted to get the hell out? Well, I mean, uh, there's truth to uh, being tired and uh, the show is uh, really difficult to do and tired and uh, fed up happened uh, uh, on occasion. But, uh, you know, I'm in the middle of a, of a lawsuit and there are stories being used to uh, proliferate uh, certain uh, aspects of that uh, lawsuit, which I, you know, don't necessarily want to get into because it's a difficult uh, circumstance uh, that I can't discuss much. Yeah, I, I know a little bit about it. I mean, I've read the Lynn Hirschberg piece mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think... You sued your manager for a hundred million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Well... Uh, Saying he was paying too much attention to building his own business and not looking after you. Well, there was a... There's, there's a trust issue with uh, a personal manager who is there to look out for your best interest by definition and uh, there are specific circumstances which I can't get into that my lawyers David Boyce who's prosecuting oh, the David Microsoft Boyce is your case, guy uh -huh, and He's Larry Silverman here in New York both feel strongly about uh, and um, as do I and for standing up for doing what I think is right uh, there's a price to pay and there's a game to be played and there's a lot of spinning being done that is common in America now. I think it's an incredibly uh, unfortunate circumstance that our world has become one in which this so-called spin is used uh, for certain agendas. I, I your argument is that if you stand up for what you think are your rights and pursue something that you think is fair for you, uh, that part of the battle and part of the, <coughs> you know, weaponry is to suggest that that the person who is the litigant is a little crazy. Well, I mean, I was told before I even began that this would happen, so it was very predictable. Uh, but as I've said all throughout our interview, uh, I've made decisions based on what I really believe are right in my life, and I'm not going to stop uh, now, and it's just something I felt very... Um, sure about and honest about and I felt that it would be more uh, unfair to myself to not do exactly what I have uh, done. If David Boyce, who's a very good lawyer, mm -hmm. he in fact represented CBS in the Westworld right. case and, That's right. and, and prevailed. That's right. Uh, and is now acting on as a advocate for the government in the antitrust suit against That's Microsoft. Right. They wanted him to come in there. There's no better trial lawyer, perhaps. If he thought you had a cause of action, that says something, doesn't it? Uh, I think it does. Yeah, but he's not going to be around wasting his time. I doesn't don't mean think he prevailed, is. but it means that he. Uh, I think that's right. I mean, I, I, I. Um... 
did it take it? And I want to be very serious now. I mean, it, 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 you just mentioned that, in fact, that it took, that's, it's your nature to do that. I mean, you leave shows when people think you shouldn't leave. Uh, you do things that people might think is going against your best interest. You know, I mean, that, what, does that go back a long ways, or is that just the way you, you know, I mean, where do you, where'd that come from? You know, at, at some point, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, I think my, my parents are really terrific and honest people. And, uh, and I was a hippie, and I really believed in something very real about truth and what uh, I thought the world could be and what and how people should treat each other. I take that stuff incredibly uh, seriously. And I haven't lost any of that value system. And um, that's what makes me make the decisions that I, that I make. I, I don't know how to live any other way. And the painful part is is that I don't think enough live that way. And what's wrong is it's, it's, it's turned into this, the world which I thought was going to be more loving and all those things that we believed in in the 60s, it, it, it seems to be the opposite. And people all have an agenda. And they say, well, why not me? Why, you know, and it's all about uh, me. And there's, you know, and if you can't, trust a, a, another a human being and then we have to have laws that say hey clearly the honor system isn't working so now we have to have all these laws and, and because you know it's that self-examining thing we talked about earlier people don't look at themselves and so uh, anything can happen it's, it's it's become a tad of a free-for-all it feels like to me and um I don't really know what to do about it except to be as honest as I can be. And as long as I'm doing that, um, you know, I can look at myself in the mirror, but not for a long time because... But did your I'm friends <laughs> say to you... Wait a minute, just stay with this for a second. Did your friends say to you... <laughs> I mean, I, I wish I looked a little different. I look in the mirror and I, I wish that I, I... I can't quite see what I look like and I don't often like it. I'd like to be handsome like you. Sure you would. Sure you would. <laughs> I used to do a joke in my act about someone asked me if I had a plastic surgery once, and I said, "Can you see my my nose?" And I went to the plastic surgeon. Yeah, my nose is in these lips, and I said, "Make me look goofy right in through here." It'll help my career. Yeah. yeah. And you also you began to talk about your hair as well. Talked about my hair, and now I realize that hair is not important. It's what kind of hair you have inside. <laughs> could just come back to one second. Oh, I haven't to, left you. Okay. I want to come back to this notion. Uh, I mean, did you really have to sort of, do you have to, was it just automatic that you would, would sue uh, your manager for $100 million in a sense when you thought you had been wronged? Or did you have to sort of, you know, well, did I you mean, have to get your... your Charlie, I, I mean, I can't get into any of the details I'm, of I'm this, not asking about it. I'm asking about you. You should know I've, from our conversation tonight, in general, uh, I don't do anything uh, quickly and without great uh, thought and consideration. These are difficult and painful decisions to have to make. What do you think the stakes are? 
it's a great question because this, for me, I can only, in a very personal way, uh, tell you what I've already told you, which is I know uh, the truth, and um, that's all that matters. Um, and I have, as I say, my attorneys who also uh, agree, and uh, we'll see what uh, happens. I can't get into the stakes in, a, in, any other, in any other way. Take this book. Tell me, why did you write this book? Well, that book started, the idea of the book started three or four years ago, and, uh, and I really was trying to write it at the same time I was doing the show, and at the same time, I've been working on a movie script, which I just got, uh, which just got greenlit at uh, Sony. I'd been working on a script for three or four years uh, about an alien from another planet, and I'll shoot that in the summer. Uh, and I was trying to do this at the same time, and it was really impossible. And when I finished the show, I wanted to clean up a lot of the projects that I had because I had made that commitment to people and to myself to do these things. And I sat down this summer and finished this. And I wrote prose in college, and as we've discussed, I started as a writer, and I really like writing. I mean, again, I have a lot to learn, but I really like writing. I used to, in college, have pieces in humor magazines and that sort of thing, and I would send them out and hope that they would get published in little tiny magazines and uh, I like writing and um, I struggled to find the hook why, where it would connect with me and I think this is sort of a satire of tell-all books and right. and there's a slight point to it you know a slight point to it and I think it's funny and it's something Larry would do and so it's fun it's 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 more fun than the other things I sort of do frankly. Who, who is David Rinson? David Renson is a, is, a, is a writer who helped me put this together at the very uh, beginning in particular. We sat and we would sit with a tape recorder and figure out what the book was and so forth and so on. And then I finally really did the major part just this summer. Do you, when you look at this meandering that you have taken with great seriousness and the things that you have done with great skill, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, do you have any huge regrets about the way it has all evolved? I mean, would you have done something differently? Would you, do you wish you had, for example, you know, taken a real live talk show and not a satire of a talk show? And was there a moment? Did you think in the end, uh, that, uh, that's the smartest thing I ever did because, A, one, I have some contempt for, for them or I look at them with some sense of their... Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, don't, I, I don't have uh, contempt... Uh, for them. Uh, you, I just want to do characterize it? how you feel about them, talk shows. Well, I just didn't want to do it because uh, I knew that I would learn more about myself as an actor in some other form and as a writer in some other form because I have these other uh, areas that I like to explore. So, I mean, when I hosted The Tonight Show, and, I, and, I, and honestly, I mean, I love this kind of format, but uh, uh, I don't have any regrets. I get a, a twinge every now and then when I watch uh, uh, Jay or Dave, 
I get a twinge of, gee, I'd like to guest host for a night. I, I, I have a very emotional attachment to The Tonight Show uh, with Johnny specifically. That's, I grew up watching it. Uh, I'm not alone in this, in this area. A lot of comedians feel this way. And it was a goal to do it, and it was a goal to host it, and I felt great about it. And I get a twinge now and then uh, because uh, that show has great tradition behind it, but not a, a twinge to do it in the, in the, in the long term. Uh, you know, Jay's perfect for that because he's, uh, he loves being there every night. It's really what he does. And, um, and that show's getting uh, better. And you and love the way you have lived your life because it is the way you are, which is constantly pushing well, against and finding things and direction. You know, loving my life is, is a struggle for me, but certainly uh, it, it's, it, it's, it, it is consistent. And, uh, and, and I'm happier now than, I, than I've ever been, and, I, and I'm struggling to always, you know, feel that. And, uh, and I would say now I am absolutely happier than I've ever been. So I'm doing something... Uh, right, and probably, you know, as I mature uh, and then eventually uh, die, I'll be ecstatic. <laughs> Do you have family? Do you have children? Uh, no, I have, I have no children, although... <laughs> I was going to do a joke. I knew you were. <laughs> just don't throw it out there and see what you did with it. See, well, I just were, wanted were to throw it ten, out there ten and jokes see what you did with it. Yes. My, my mother's deeply conflicted because she wants me to have children, but not with another woman. <laughs> uh, no. And the other one is uh, my sperm count is so low I can't even adopt. And um, There are more. There are more. I love writing jokes. Uh, but no, I don't ha have children, and uh, may well at some point in my life, you know. I mean, I, I still have, gee, another, you know, I have some time to think about it. Most of all, now you'd like to improve. As we know, I don't rush into anything. No, of course This not. is all consistent. <laughs> I know it is. There are patterns that have evolved from the, that I've taken note of in this program. This yeah. 62 minutes we've spent together. Yeah. Uh, and that's about enough, don't you think? Uh, not if it's, if we're going to talk more about me, I could go on. <laughs> I've changed my mind entirely. About? Uh, nothing. <laughs> Everything. Everything. Uh, yeah, you've made me see the light. Will you come back? No. No, not I've only got... life. No. I, <laughs> this I, is I, it I, for me, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Let's you... see how this edits together, and yeah. we'll take a look at it. And if I seem... <laughs> Like, it's, I didn't embarrass myself. Sure, I'd love to come back. I, I, I think you're great. It's great to, you know, you're an intelligent uh, man. Man was the part, of course, as I say, that threw me. Uh, you know, I'm not so sure about that because, see, I, I don't think... The point that I most doubt my intelligence is that I will take risk that no person should take. You know, I'm willing to go where angels fear to tread. Well, this is why you are going to be great, and I'm not being facetious. Doing, you're going to be a correspondent on the 60 Minutes too. Right. And please go in there and uh, and dig as I sense you can. You have great instincts, and I, I think it's such an important role to be to play. And um, good for you. Maybe I'll see you on 60 Minutes too. Maybe. You know what we ought to do.
before before I do that, I want to show a clip from Hurley Burley, which is shows you doing what you aspire to do more of. Mm -hmm. Act. Mm -hmm. Roll tape, and then we'll do this and come back. Here is a tape from Hurley Burley. Hello. Artie! Hey, you didn't tell us you got married. Oh, her? No, I uh, found her on the elevator. You want her? What do you mean? I mean, it's too crowded, see, so... Artie! The pool. Right. She wants to go swimming in the pool. You do? Hi, I'm Mickey. I'd love to watch you swimming in our pool. Great, Mickey. I'm Donna. Cute, Marty. Very cute. So, uh, you want her, huh? You keep saying that, Artie. You know, um, I was going out for uh, coffee this morning, and she's on the damn elevator. Then uh, I come back, and there she is an hour later. That's a coincidence. But then I come back from lunch. She's on the elevator. She's living in the elevator. Yeah, but she said her um, her boyfriend tried to kill her, so she was staying off the street. Well, why did he try to kill her? Well, she said he was moody. There it is. You know what's weird is I really think, and I'm not making a joke, that it's literally the next beat where I get, you know, better. <laughs> <laughs> and the only way we we'll know is to go see the movie, I guess. The movie's fascinating, and uh, it's real talent in it. You know, I'm in awe of, of these guys. That is real, 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 real talent. And the courage that they have and the talent that they have. And I, I'm really impressed by them. Thank you. You're channeling for the hour. Thank oh, you for no, joining us. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I stepped right on it. You did. I, I really... Okay, Gary channeling for the whatever. We'll determine... And so if it's 30 minutes, you'll know it's 30 minutes because, and if it's, we found 52 good minutes, then you'll see 52 good minutes to be determined. Thank you for joining us. See you next time. networks as part of our continuing commitment to innovative television through usa network and the sci-fi channel 
we provide original entertainment to America and the world. Anywhere, anytime, any book. BarnesandNoble.com, where the world shops for books. Cisco Systems, the company that brought the Internet to business, is pleased to help bring the Charlie Rose Show to PBS. Cisco Systems, empowering the Internet generation. Charlie Rose is also made possible by these funders. And by Bloomberg, a provider of multimedia news and information services worldwide. To order Charlie Rose program transcripts and video cassettes, call 1-800-ALL-NEWS or write to the address on your screen. Please indicate show date and guest. This is PBS.